Episode 103 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Little leaning on the NBA side of things this week. Boy, oh boy, we'll get to Dallas in a second. We could probably talk an hour and a half about what's going on with the Mavericks. It is getting messy in the Lone Star State at the moment. We'll touch on them. We'll touch on the collapse in Philly last night as well. And the resilient Los Angeles Clippers who are on the verge of possibly knocking out the top seed, Utah Jazz, as well. A lot to get to this week. A little bit of Knicks stuff as well. Not a ton this week. Um, Obviously, great to see the positives coming from R.J. Barrett with the Canadian national team there's some good stuff going on there they seem to be happy with his progress and with things with him moving forward obviously really excited to see Julius Randle being named all NBA second team I mean as thoroughly deserved as it can get he had a phenomenal season and to get the recognition for that along with being the most improved player in the NBA is a massive deal Averaging, again, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, shot over 41% from deep during the regular season. The third team was Kyrie, Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Along with Randall on the second team, you had Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, and LeBron James. And the first team was Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the MVP, Nikola Jokic. So... Fantastic company for Julius Randle to be keeping. And just adds on to really, again, despite the the early exit, a phenomenal season for the Knicks. I mean, you really can't overstate it. The more we look at it, the more we see you know these kind of awards and recognitions and honors come through, whether it's for Julius Randle, Tom Thibodeau, or the team as a whole. Just, I mean, again... When you look at the big picture, and obviously now you see what the Hawks are doing to the Sixers, you got to give the Knicks a ton of credit for what this season has been. Obviously, it's been just an immense success, and I can't wait to see what happens in year two. Obviously, now we're seeing the rumors that you know Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, you know a lot of you know different names being thrown out there, Kawhi Leonard, you know t- guys that maybe could come to the Knicks, and now these are more legitimate than they've been in years past because you've got the coach and of course you've got a base a team a foundation to build upon it's a big deal it's a big big deal so i was just exciting just exciting to kind of point that kind of stuff out not a ton more we're going to get to obviously we're going to have a draft show coming up talking about what the knicks could possibly do in the draft we'll be talking a lot about that in the lead up to the draft as well and of course Plenty of free agency talk to come up in future shows. But this week, there's just too many headlines from the NBA as a whole to ignore. Uh, we're going to start in Dallas, where it is just, uh, it's gone bad to, from bad to worse this week for the Mavericks, a team that, you know, again, you, you talk about before the postseason, you're thinking this is a team that's in one of the best shapes in the NBA, you'd think in some regard. Not the case. Stuff going on behind the scenes. There was... Reports, of course, earlier this week about uh, a power struggle in the front office. Obviously, 
the departure, the firing of longtime general manager of 24 years, Donnie Nelson. Then on Thursday, this is just you know hours before recording this podcast, Rick Carlisle leaves the Mavericks as well. Apparently, there was some reported, uh, you know, simmering tension, quote unquote, from a report between him and Luka Doncic. And apparently, according to ESPN's Tim McMahon, Rick Carlisle would be on the hot seat if he were to return for another season. Carlisle, obviously, as far as you look at the the Mavericks, one of the best coaches in their franchise's history, if not the best coach, won the title with Dirk and company over LeBron and the Heat. LeBron, Wade, and Bosh in the Heat back in 2011. Um, Carlisle and Nelson being gone in the same week uh, is frankly insane. Um, It's a crazy, crazy story. Um, clearly Luka Doncic has a plenty of influence here. Uh, Mark Cuban and company are clearly doing everything they can to appease Luka Doncic and give him everything he wants. So he signs that super max contract and stays with Dallas. Um, you know, I think when you look at what Mark Cuban's thinking, he's thinking he's got, he's got a better Dirk. He's got a better Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, he's got a guy that could be one of the best players of our lifetime at his hands, in his hands, I should say. And in the NBA and in most sports, that trumps coaching. It does. It trumps the coaching. It trumps the general manager. It, you got to have the stars. And that normally takes care of itself from there. You would normally, you know, in, in most situations, especially in the NBA, stars win championships. And if you don't have one, you don't really have a chance. So the Mavericks are thinking, well, this is our this is our guy. This is our guy for hopefully the next 15 years. This is our guy. We have to make him happy. And if making him happy means uprooting the entire hierarchy of the franchise, essentially, they are going to do that. Whether it takes uh, a week or in this case, less than a week, you know, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever makes Luka happy will make us happy. It's a very, very interesting situation. In Dallas, it, it, it's, you know, Doncic apparently came out and said that it was, quote, tough to see Nelson fired, trying to, like, almost cover his own tracks. Clearly, something was done. I, I, clearly, Luca and his people have said something here, and especially with Rick Carlisle, and... It's one of those things where, and by the way, on top of that, you know, there's reports coming out that Nelson was fired unceremoniously, just kind of told, you're done, that's it, after 24 years. I think Rick Carlisle's was more of a sit-down with Mark Cuban, that's what it sounds like. They sat down, you know, Cuban didn't want to get rid of him, you know, that kind of a thing. It's not, a, it's not you, it's me, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and, and it just wasn't going to work out, you know, mutually parted ways. Clearly Luca's got a part, a huge part in this. You know, this is what Luka Doncic wants. He wants a different group to come in, a group that he likes, that gets along with him. And he's running the show player empowerment, right? I mean, that's been this generation, you know, since LeBron's come in the league and, and done, a, you know, for the most part in most situations, a good job of giving the players more power. And the owners have to adjust, right? If you've got the golden egg 
the golden goose, you've got to hold on to him. And Mark Cuban is doing everything he can to keep Luca happy. So he'll sign that deal and they'll have him forever. That's basically what their thought process is right now. If we could just get him to sign that dang contract, Luca stays here forever and we'll be all set. So we'll see. I mean, this is going to be a developing story. Obviously, I think if you're Luca and your Dallas fans that want to keep Luca, of course, who wouldn't? This is somewhat positive steps. I think. I think if it ends up leading to Luca staying and signing that deal, I think you've got to be thrilled if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan. Because again, no disrespect to Rick Carlisle, he is going to probably have a name uh, hanging from the rafters at some point in Dallas because of that championship. Luca is more important. Luca is much more important to the future of the Dallas Mavericks than Rick Carlisle is, and certainly than Donnie Nelson is. So they they had to make a decision, and Mark Cuban acted quickly. He's acted decisively. Um, he possibly has burned a few bridges here um, <laughs> uh, to do this. Um, and in the end... Um, it is what it is. Again, Luca's pleading the fifth on this. He says he wasn't aware of Nelson's departure. He feels bad about it. Um, I, I don't buy that. I, I don't buy that. If, if you have a hand in, in the Carlisle thing, I can't imagine Luca didn't have a say on what happens with Donnie Nelson. I, I'm not buying that. Um, I, I don't think that that's the case. I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. Why why get rid of one if you and not get rid of the other? It doesn't make any sense. So I, I, with all due respect to Luca trying to save face there, come on. You, you can't do one and then and then help in getting rid of Rick Carlisle, essentially, and then plead the fifth on, on the Nelson thing. Come on. I, I'm not buying that. So, so clearly, Luka Doncic is at the wheel. He's the one that is really, you know, kind of, calling the shots in a way or or forcing the shots to be called in the directions he's pointing and again Doncic's plans to sign this max extension that's worth 200 million over the next five years so they're trying to do everything he can they can to make sure that 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 his name is on that contract and he signed it so listen fair play to dallas this is just crazy because of how quickly it's all happened i'll say this the biggest winner of all this might be the next team that brings Rick Carlisle in as their head coach. Because again, the Mavericks were unfortunate not to get out of the first round. If they had, we might still be talking about them. Honestly, we they, they could have been a team that maybe got to the Western Conference Finals, if not further. So they, they, they just couldn't close out a, a Clippers team that is shown to be tougher than we thought. And we'll get to them in a second. But the future in Dallas is a little bleak at the moment, but as long as Doncic signs that dang contract and then, you know, stays with the Mavericks long-term, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining too much in the big picture about what's going on with what Mark Cuban and reportedly Luka Doncic are doing to revamp the front office in Dallas. And we'll keep you up to date on what's going on with this stuff because it's a very interesting story, but I think that's going to be most of what we hear from now until the time Luca signs the contract during the offseason. I think he's with Slovenia right now. 
um, with the national team. For right now, we wait to see what the, which uh, spurred boot falls next in Dallas. For the time being, we'll go to the NBA playoffs where, goodness gracious, it's getting crazy. Um, I, I'm trying to budget my time here because I have a lot to say about a game in particular. So we'll start with the game in Brooklyn, game five, Nets, Bucks. What a game. A phenomenal game between those two. Um, one of the best playoff games of the year so far, if not the last few years. It, it was just an absolutely epic game. A game that, honestly, I wasn't sure the Nets were going to win going into it. I Again, I picked... Um, I, I think I... Did I... Who did I even pick to... I'm already forgetting my picks for the NBA playoffs. Did I pick the Bucks or did I pick the Nets? I don't think I picked the Sixers. I forget. I You know what? I'm probably getting roasted right now because I don't even remember what I did, to be honest with you. I picked one of the top three teams to get out of the East. I, I know I picked the Jazz to win the title. I know that pick's not looking too good right now. I don't remember who I picked as my East champion. I apologize. But the Nets, again, you know, 2-2... Two, two, I'll say this. When it was 2-0, I thought the Nets were going to roll. I thought they were going to win in one in Milwaukee, win the series. Then when the Bucks tied it up and they're going back to Brooklyn, no Kyrie and a hurt James Harden, I thought for sure the Bucks were going to win. That, I'm like, this is their chance. You, this is the moment to seize it and to finish the job. Win game five, go back home, win game six, and you're off to the Eastern Conference Finals. Nope, the Bucks could not do that. They had a huge lead uh, sometime in the third quarter. KD just went crazy. He was had a, he had a great game for most of the night, but then the third and the fourth quarter, it was vintage Kevin Durant, maybe his best postseason performance of his career, and that is saying something. Historic playoff performance from Kevin Durant. 49 points. 17 rebounds, 10 assists. He carried the Nets when many people thought he couldn't. Giannis was great. He had 34 and 12 with four assists. True Holiday had 19 and eight assists, but not enough. And the Bucks showed themselves to be mentally weak again. They could not hold on to a big lead. 114-108. KD. Vintage, historic, masterpiece masterful from the Durantula. I, I think that if the Nets go on and win this series and possibly go to the NBA Finals, obviously, if you want this to be a forever game, right? A game that you always talk about, the Nets are going to have to win the championship. And now it's very much a possibility, especially if Harden can continue to play and if Kyrie comes back. But as long as they win this series... There will th- this game will be talked about for years to come. Now, if they win the title, it's an all-time great performance. So it, it just, when you put it in historical context, it's that great. It's that great of a performance. It's a performance that when you go on and win something, it's remembered forever. And I had a number of Nets fans, I had a few Nets fan friends that were at the game. They were emotional. You know, it, it was a big, it was that kind of a game. A game that looked like it was, you know, you're going into it thinking you're not going to win. It's not going your way. The first half didn't go their way. The first half of the third didn't go their way. 
And then Kevin Durant just pulls it out of the fire. It's that kind of a game. We've all been through it with different teams we root for. When you don't think it's going to go your way and it ends and they end up turning it around. They show resilience. And it was that kind of a performance from Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. Jeff Green was great. Blake Griffin at times crucial. And the Nets are 3-2 up. The game, game six will go on after, just after I record this podcast, actually. So you guys will know the result. I kind of have a feeling the Bucks are going to win. I got a sneaky suspicion. Again, you guys will know uh, by the time this goes out. But I got a funny feeling the, Buc- the Bucks are going to force a game seven. And we might have to see KD do it again to win this series. The Bucks have been proved to, proven to be tough at home in this postseason. They have been very difficult to deal with. Unbeaten so far at home. If they get up early, I don't know if they're blowing it this time. I think if they're at home, I think they win. I think they'll win it, but I think the Nets will win the series. That's where I'm at right now. I think I think the Bucks will force a Game 7, and I think the Nets will win Game 7. So we'll see. But a lot of, a lot of good stuff to come forward in, in, in that series. One last quick thing I want to mention, because then we'll take a break, and then we'll, we'll go to Philly. In, a, in in regards to them in, a, in the second half. Yikes. We'll talk about that. But this is a big defining two-game stretch for the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I think that should be reiterated here. You know, it, it was huge when they were down 2-0. They bounced back. They held home serve. They held home court. They had a huge opportunity in Brooklyn the other night, and they blew it again. They've had so many chances in this Giannis era to get over the hump. They haven't done it. Game six, obviously they have to win, but this feels like a make-or-break series for the Giannis era in, in Milwaukee. It still feels like it. if they don't win this series, I'm not sure they're ever going to get it done with this group. With Holiday in place, Lopez, Middleton, obviously you don't you haven't had DiVincenzo, but it doesn't matter. This team should be getting to an NBA Finals and they haven't been able to do it. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. They've come close in the past when they lost to the Raptors in the in the Western sorry, in the Eastern Conference Finals, but since then they have not come close. So we'll have to see how it plays out with the Bucks. In obviously you'll know the result of game six, and then we'll see if there'll be a game seven as well. For Brooklyn, it's really their first go of it, right? I mean, this is their first, you know, foray with this group. I mean, they've done a heck of a job with the injuries to kind of keep this thing afloat. I'm a little worried about, you know, James Harden moving forward, but he was able to play 42 minutes uh, through an injury in game five. When's Kyrie going to come back? I mean, that's another big, big concern. But I was telling my buddy who's a Nets fan, he was extremely concerned going into game five. I said, listen, if you've got KD, you've got a chance. And boy, did he come up big time for the Brooklyn Nets when they needed him most. And that chance turned into a huge game five win. And the Nets are potentially on the verge of going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And will likely be the favorites, no matter who gets out of that other series, which we'll get to next. We'll talk Philly and the Hawks and a whole lot more around the NBA, the NBA playoffs, all that good stuff. It's coming up next after a quick break on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. 
on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, Philly. Here we go. Let's get to the Sixers. Oh, Philly. Philly, Philly, Philly. This series should be over. This series, honestly, it should have been... Last night should have been the end of the series. The Sixers should already be talking about... Are they going to play the Nets? Are they going to play the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals? But no. No, Philly. You had to screw it up. Not once, but twice. You had an 18-point lead on the road in Game 4. You were cruising... And he ended up blowing that and letting the Hawks right back into the series. So, all right, you know what? It happens, right? Road leads get away from you. You come back home. Everything's gone well for you at home pretty much all postseason, all regular season. Philly had one of the best home records the entire season to this point. First quarter, played great. Second quarter, played even better. Most of the third quarter, Played great. At one point in the first half, you had a 26-point lead. I think with like seven or eight minutes left in the third, you had a 24-point lead. But it wasn't enough. Somehow that wasn't enough. Against a Hawks team that, frankly, no disrespect, has no business being 3-2 up in this series. No business being anywhere near the Eastern Conference Finals. They've showed heart. They've showed fight. They've been fantastic. No disrespect to them. They get a lot of the credit here. But the Philadelphia 76ers, with all the trash they talk, with all the pedigree they claim to have, with all the talent that's on this roster, with this amazing coach in Doc Rivers, that has now blown three, or I should say two, 3-1 series leads with the Clippers and has now blown two leads of immense length and, and mass in two games against an inexperienced Hawks team that should have already been knocked out of the NBA playoffs. This series should have been over in five games and the Sixers should have already moved on. But now we're going to six and the Sixers are on the brink. They're about to get bounced out. And and for Joel Embiid, for Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Doc Rivers, Dwight Howard, you name it, this is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. Again, it would have been one thing. You blow the 18-point lead, you come back, you whip them in game five, and now you're ahead with a chance to go close down in Atlanta. Now you got to go to Atlanta and force a game seven. Now they could do that. I, I would not put it past Philly to go there and send it to a game seven and possibly win this series. But I thought they'd win this series in five games. And they very well should have. They had the, plenty of chances to put Atlanta away in game four. And they had uh, even more of a chance, more chances, more opportunities to put them away in game five. They took none of them. They took none of those chances. And Doc Rivers, I hate to say it, is on the verge of his third chokage 
as a head coach. This is atrocious. He wins a championship with the Celtics and rightfully so gets this great rep- reputation as being a great playoff head coach. But his his reputation's taken some hits of late. Blowing a 3-1 lead to Denver in the bubble. Years before that with, with Lob City, blowing a 3-1 lead against Houston, who that year had no business going to the Western Conference Finals. And now with the Sixers getting every one of the pieces he wanted to make this a championship caliber team are about to let the inexperienced Atlanta Hawks push them aside. And this is honestly, if the Sixers go on and lose this series, it's about as embarrassing as it gets. They are way better than this Hawks team. And the Hawks are teaching them a lesson in fight, passion, and camaraderie. Honestly. The Sixers should be ashamed of themselves the way they have finished the last two games. Absolutely dreadful. And though they will only have themselves to blame if the Hawks go on and win this series. You cannot expect to win a playoff series blowing an 18-point lead on the road and a 26-point lead at home. At that point, you get what you deserve. And frankly, I think the Sixers will. I think the Hawks are going to win this series. I I think if you're the Hawks, you don't come back two times from massive deficits only to go on and lose the series. I think Nate McMillan, who's had just a phenomenal postseason as a coach, I I think he gets them over the top. I think they win game six. I do. I think the Hawks are going to win game six, and I think we're going to see the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And frankly, you know, I, I could be frustrated that I thought the Knicks, you know, should have played better. Maybe should have beaten them, made it a longer series. The Hawks have shown in this series that they had more than enough heart to make this run. And the Sixers, who are a better team, clearly are a better team. No question about it in my mind. They don't have the heart. They don't. They don't have it. They don't have the intangibles. I don't know Why? You'd, you'd look at that roster and you'd think, well, of course they do. They don't. They don't. And, and especially with Doc Rivers at the helm, the fact that they don't, that's, a, that, that, that's extremely, extremely jarring. It really is. So Philly, you got two more chances to right the wrong. Game six in Atlanta... They're going to have to do what they did in Game 3. And then Game 7, potentially if they win that, back in Philly to pull it out of the fire. Because if they don't, this team is probably getting blown up. Honestly. How many more chances can this team get with performances like that? It's absolutely dreadful. And Philly fans know it. Philly fans are as honest of a fan base as you'll get in the NBA. They know how important that loss was last night. They know every bit of it. The excruciating nature of it. You know, you've got fans dancing and, and, and hooting and hollering in the stands in the third quarter thinking it's over. It's done. And they should have felt that way. Atlanta was getting blitzed. They didn't know where to look. And the, and the Sixers took their foot off the gas yet again. They could have... If Philly kept playing the way they played at the start of the third quarter, 
we could have seen a 35-point Sixer lead going into the fourth quarter. Legitimately. It was that bad at one point. It was that bad. The, the Atlanta, in the first half, was on autopilot. On absolute autopilot. They didn't know what hit them in the first half. I think they expected to just show up and play. And, and, and get some, you know, stay in the game and maybe have a chance. The first half... Atlanta looked like they were ready to head back for game six and see what happens. And in the second half, specifically in the last parts of the third and throughout the fourth, Philly just thought, yeah, you know what? We'll hold on. We'll hold on to the lead. We'll be fine. And the Hawks woke up. The Hawks woke up with just enough time left on the clock to win it 109 to 106. And now Philly, Philly is firmly against the wall now firmly so we'll see they've shown that they can take a big lead in atlanta so we'll see if they could do that in game six but whether or not they're going to hold on to it your guess is as good as mine at this point goodness gracious and and i'll tell you this if this is how the process ends for the sixers with no eastern conference finals appearances i mean that might be even worse. Considering what the franchise went through to get there, that might be even worse. All right, let's look at the other series out west. Obviously, the Suns have dispatched the Denver Nuggets. They're through to the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, the situation, though, with Chris Paul, with COVID protocols not looking great, he might miss part of the Western Conference Finals, depending on when they start. Um, So that's a big situation to look at as well moving forward with that series obviously who they'll play though still very much up for grabs the clippers winning game five in salt lake city last night over the utah jazz what a game again another phenomenal nba playoff game with a ton of drama a lot of twists and turns utah in relative control in the first half they shot the lights out of it but they never really built a big enough lead to feel comfortable And the Clippers did a great job keeping it within arm's reach, obviously without Kawhi Leonard, who's out indefinitely, could be out for the rest of the postseason, regardless of how long the Clippers go. He might have a torn ACL. So it's a big deal right now. There's still a chance he can come back. They're still trying to figure out what the injury is as far as the extent of it. So again, don't write Kawhi off yet, but he could be out. The Clippers showed, though, in Game 5, They can do it without him. Paul George was huge in the win. Reggie Jackson, goodness, had a monster game as well. He was phenomenal for the Clippers on the road. And really, you know, the Clippers, again, turned it around in that third quarter. That was really the crucial moment of the game. And despite 32 points from Bogdanovich, 37 from Paul George in the end was huge. Marcus Morris had 25 And really, in my opinion, the crucial performance of the game, 22 points from Reggie Jackson, who hit a couple of huge shots in the third and some even bigger ones in the fourth, 119-111. The Clippers win it to take a 3-2 lead back to the Staples Center. So I, I immediately go off into two paths of thought here. One, the Clippers just gained a huge dose of momentum without Kawhi. They just gained a massive boost by winning this game. It felt like a must win for the Clippers. They got it. 
right? They're in control going into game six at home with a chance to finally, finally get to a Western Conference Finals. They've never been there as a franchise. They're one win away now. Yet again, it's the third time they've been one win away from the Western Conference Finals. By the way, and Ernie Johnson said this stat on Inside last night, worth mentioning again, the Clippers in closeout games in the Western Conference semifinals. So that when they've been one win away from going to the Western Conference Finals, they've done it eight times they've been there in a closeout game in the Western Conference semifinals. They're 0-8. They've never done it. They're still not going to have Kawhi. So I, right, this goes into the second part. They're still without Kawhi Leonard. But Utah has not won in LA in this series. So it goes back, I go back and forth on it. Here's the thing. This is going to sound obvious. But I, but this game is going to decide the series. This game will decide the series. If the Clippers win it, obviously, mathematically, they will finally get to their Western Conference Finals for the first time. But I think if the Jazz win, I think they'll win the series. I really do. I think if the Jazz win Game 6, Kawhi's probably not in for Game 7 either. I'm pretty sure Kawhi, regardless, is out until later in the postseason. I think if the Clippers don't get it done at home, I don't think they go back to Utah again and win. I don't. I I think if the Jazz find a way in Game 6, I think they will win Game 7 at home. And I think they will go to the Western Conference Finals. So this game is going to decide a lot. This Game 6 upcoming... There's a lot riding on it. And there already would be in a normal in normal circumstances. But for the time being, you know, when you're talking about history for the Clippers, you know, this Utah Jazz team trying to make a finals run as the top seed in the West. I I, I could really, you know, again, these are legacy defining franchise making games. And honestly, I think the Clippers are I think the Clippers are going to win it. I think the Clippers are going to win game six. I think they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. I'm hesitant because if Donovan Mitchell goes off, I think the the, the Jazz could be in business. I really do. You got to have stars. But Paul George, I think he showed he was over the hump in game five. Can he do it again? That's that's the one question I'm, I'm really stuck on right now. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against my pre-playoff prediction here. I think the Clippers are gonna finish the job. I do, and and I think they're gonna finally get to a Western Conference Finals. Whether or not they get further than that, I, I don't know. It's gonna be up for grabs. But I'll say this: it'll be a heck of a story because the Clippers. I mean, first of all, they've had probably the craziest postseason of anybody. You could argue. Just give them a two-zero deficit. And they'll respond. Two times in a row, they have fallen down 2-0 in a series. They came back to beat the Mavericks in the first round. Obviously, they were down 0-2 and 3-2. Came back both times, won the series. They've been down 0-2 in this series. They've won three straight. They're 3-2 up. We'll see if they can finish the job. So it's going to be interesting because the other thing that, the other thing that makes me hesitant is Kawhi Leonard carried them over the Mavericks in Game 7. Carried them. Can Paul George do what he did in Game 5 and carry the Clippers to a Western Conference Finals? 
It's been the only thing missing from his resume is being the guy on a team that that makes it to an NBA Finals. It's the only thing he hasn't done. He might have to do that this postseason if Kawhi's not there. He's gotten the Pacers to an Eastern Conference Finals. He's done that. But I think it'd be a much bigger achievement to, to make history with the Clippers here. Get him to a Western Conference Finals for the first time. And then, again, you'll have to deal with the Suns, who will have the, their own problems to deal with with Chris Paul and the COVID situation. But that'll be real legacy-making stuff for Paul George, who has been ridiculed since he was blamed a lot for that 3-1 letdown last year. Could he be the reason now that they get to the promised land this year? That would be a heck of a way to silence the doubters. He's on his way to doing it, Paul George. Game five was a big step. Can he finish the job? That's going to be an amazing story to look into moving forward as the NBA playoffs move on. So again, the Suns are through. I think the Hawks are going to beat the Sixers. I think the Clippers are going to finish off the Jazz. And I think the Nets are are just about going to beat the Bucs. I think that game, I think that series probably goes seven games. But I think it's going to be a Nets-Hawks Eastern Conference Finals. And I think it's going to be a Clippers-Suns Western Conference Finals. It's going to be something to behold. I, I really do. And, and I'm, you know, again, I, I thought they were going to get there in my preseason picks, but I'm glad, I was pre-playoff picks. I'm glad the Suns, have at least gotten to the conference finals. I think they've they've deserved a run like this with the team they've put together. They've knocked out LeBron and the Lakers. They've brushed aside the MVP, Jokic, and the Nuggets. I think they'll be the favorites, especially if Kawhi's not available. It sounds like Chris Paul won't be out for all of the series, just the early, maybe an early part or two. So I think, I think the Suns will be the favorites, but it's going to be interesting. And again, they'll have home court, which will be a huge difference potentially in that series as well. The other series, potentially, I think the Nets, again, if, the, if it's the Hawks that go through, whoever wins the, the nets Bucks series is going to be massive favorites. Massive favorites. So we'll, we'll see. But the Hawks are, are turning into a bit of a Cinderella story right now in the NBA playoffs. And they're trying to finish off the just, I mean, gutless, it feels like at times, Philadelphia 76ers that just can't seem to play with the heart when they need it the most. And they had no problem celebrating and hooting and hollering for two and a half quarters. But when it mattered most, when they had a chance to, you know, they had their foot their, their foot on the throat of the Atlanta Hawks twice in a row. And they lifted it off at the worst possible time and let them back in and possibly let them take, take over control. And now the throat is beneath a foot or I should say a claw. I'll get back to you on that with the Atlanta Hawks. And now the Hawks look to be the ones that are about to knock the Sixers out. Crazy, crazy stuff in the NBA playoffs. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the shock shock Knicks podcast guys. Thank you so much as always for listening to the show. Again, as always, you can hit me up on social media at S St. J seven on Twitter. If you want to, Talk Knicks, talk NBA playoffs, talk draft, talk whatever, NBA basketball. I'm there for you or in the comments below on postingandtoasting.com. Thank you guys as always for listening. You guys are the best. 
Until then, I'll see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Have a great week, everybody.